going on, Fabcasters? R Bar with the Drive Time Podcast here. I want to make an announcement to the Marines and Sailors at Camp Pendleton that there is a grief recovery course going down at Naval Hospital Camp Pendleton every Tuesday evening. So it's for those who have dealt with uh, grief, loss, undealt with loss, whether uh, the death of a loved one, the death of a spouse, the death of a child, death of anybody in your life, or divorce. So the book they're using is called The Grief Recovery Handbook. I have read this thing. I have listened to the Audible. It's an amazing book. And there's my favorite section in it is the section on, on forgiveness. So it's, it's so deep. But let's talk about grief. Grief, by definition, is when there's a pattern in your life and all of a sudden that pattern changes and you no longer... You no longer have that pattern anymore. Um, and it can be, you know, you used to be married and you're no longer married. It could, use, it could be you had this person in your life and you no longer have them. And there are five stages in the grief recovery process. The first stage is often denial. And that's when someone says, man, I, I just, I can't believe, I can't believe it's over. I can't believe life, this is the new life. I can't believe it's... Things are different now. The second stage in the grief process is um, is, is then anger. I, I think of it in debt debtor language. So anger could be directed towards anybody. It could be directed towards God, yourself, your neighbor, your your husband, your wife. It's this saying of "You owe me. You owe me something." And uh, the antidote to that is 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 forgiveness. But the the third the third uh, stage in the grief recovery process is is bargaining and in bargaining people um, start making bargains with God like God if you if you bring this person back then then I promise I'll start going to church more Um, it it goes on until they move to the next stage and and that can be of depression and depression a, a synonym for depression is suppression like if you think of when you're depressing something, you're actually literally pressing it down. So the antonym for depression, suppression, is is expression. So in depression, it's a person who's holding things within. Some people I've heard it defined before as, as anger turned inward. That's depression. In expression, which I am all about, you get to speak those emotions into the air. You get to let it out. And that's why when, this is a message to people helpers and the people, if you if you know someone who's gone through death, divorce, or any kind of grief, any kind of loss, let them express themselves. The worst thing you can do with helping someone with grief is to say something. Premature advice giving is the number one killer of authentic relationships. Premature advice giving, it kills the mood. And, and if I'm dealing with someone with grief, I don't even hand them tissue. You know why? Because a tissue, if I hand a, a box of tissue to someone who's grieving in the moment, I'm essentially sending a message saying, hey, you know what? Why don't you clean yourself up? That's kind of nasty. You, know, you got snot and tears everywhere. Clean yourself up. I don't want to do that. I just sit in the moment. You know, in the scriptures, Job's friends would have done way they would have done so much good if they just kept their mouths shut. They wouldn't have said anything. Just be there. Just your presence. 
and allowing someone to experience the depth of their emotions. And you can say things, but make sure they're healthy things. Make sure that's like, wow, that's that's pretty courageous that you would share those feelings. Can you tell me more? Like, tell me about that. Can we stay right there for a minute? What what's going on there? What's the story behind behind the tears? And you let them express. So we have here a denial, then anger, then bargaining, and then depression. And then the last one is acceptance. And when, when I think of acceptance, I, I think of someone who's, who's finally accepted the, the fact that they can't control life or they can't control the situations and they've come to terms with, with not trying to control it. Um, and in acceptance, there's a lot of grace. There's a lot of hope that happens. But it, it's someone not wishing that the past would be any better, different, more of, or less than. So in the Grief Recovery Handbook, um, the authors talk about um, the mindset of if, if you ever wished something in your past was, was better, uh, different, more of, or less than, then, then you're still going through the grieving process. And, and when, you, when you come to acceptance, it's like, like for me instance, okay, I'll just talk about myself. Man, I, I, have a, I, have a pretty, I have a pretty traumatic past. And even some people who know me are like, what do you mean, man? You don't seem like you have anything. Well, no, I've, I've gone through some stuff. And I wouldn't take back any of it for anything. Everything I've ever experienced in my past has made me who I am today. And it took a long time to get there. But when I got to the acceptance phase, it, it was uh, like all of life changed. And for me, it happened to run it right around like 33 years old. I think 33 is a pretty magical number. Maybe that's, maybe that's because Jesus was 33 when he died. And I think that's the perfect age. I think that's when, when a man becomes a man and a woman, just the lights go on. And So let people grieve. This whole thing about trying to rescue people and fix people is... It's not helpful. So in, in, our, in our counseling groups, when I, when I do group counseling or we're sitting in a room or even, even in a Bible study setting or a community group or a small group setting, we have some rules that I learned uh, from my old church in Rhode Island at Ocean Point Christian Church. But we had this rule, uh, no scars. S-C-A-R-S, no scars. S would be no side talk no sidebars like if someone's sharing in a group especially in a recovery group celebrate recovery aa you name it any kind of small group there's no side talking it's disrespectful to the one sharing uh scc no cell phones man put the cell phones away if someone's sharing something put that sucker in the car or or, or you know take the battery out if you got a flip phone you know do something get 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 rid of this thing okay so s-c-a-a is is this is in you know christians are the probably the biggest offenders in this no advice giving don't 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 even give a bible verse don't don't do anything don't tell them it's going to be don't definitely don't quote you know god works all things together for those who don't quote those passages they're usually out of context no advice giving s-c-a-r R, it means no rescuing. 
So rescuing is this. If I shared, man, truth, truth be told here, man, I just feel like a bad dad, man. I feel like a bad dad because in my mind I knew the, the Lord was telling me, don't, don't chew this kid out. And I kept doing it. I just, ah, man, I feel like a loser. I feel like rescuing is someone who's listening to that saying, no, man, you're a, you're a good dad. You're a good dad, man. You took your, your, you took your son out to ice cream the other day. You're, well, if someone's sharing, you just let them share. It doesn't matter what they think about themselves or what they're saying. Allow them to experience the depth of their emotions so they know what, to get a, what, what they need to get in touch with. And it's only in that moment where healing can happen because you can't heal what you don't feel. They have to feel it because they have to know what needs to be let, let go of. But when we insert ourselves and we say, now nah, you're a good dad, we've actually interrupted the healing process. And uh, last one is, is S. I am totally guilty of all of these, especially this last one. But switching, switching is if someone shares something and then automatically you insert yourself and you say, you know what, that reminds me of me when I was, you know, I, I went through a breakup one time. I went through, I went through a divorce one time. And no, man, it's, it's like they weren't asking you for that. Don't, don't do that. I remember one time I, I was engaged. I was engaged to someone that I was with for six years. You know, high school sweetheart. I was like, yeah, this is great. I had this fairy tale little um, wedding in my mind, and, and uh, I got my heart broken. And I remember it was, it took 365 days. I remember on day 365, I, I just woke up. I was living in a garage in LA. And I, was wait, I woke up, I was staring at the ceiling, and I, and I said, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm over it. And what it was, was the, it was the you know, stage five of the grieving process. I, I had come to acceptance. I had come to acceptance, and my dad had given me great advice. He said, you know, the faster you chase someone, sometimes the faster they run. My buddy Ernie, my buddy Ernie gave me advice. He goes, he goes have you thanked God for this yet? Thank God this happened now. Um, you know, maybe maybe a little bit that was from friends and family was rescuing or searching, but uh, at at the outset of it, they all let me they all let me grieve. They, I had I had like seven house keys, the Molers, the the Cortez family, the my brother gave me a key, my sister gave me a key, everybody gave me keys to their house, and they said you can lay on this couch as long as you want, and and feel you know. <laughs> I was listening to a lot of dashboard confessional and I was listening to a lot of Michelle Branch and like I had this breakup playlist and man, I, my year of grieving was just, it was intensified by my own wallowing in my self-pity and bitterness and resentment and, um, but you know what, after the acceptance phase, after that 365th day, man, it was a breath of fresh air and I would say this, I would do that whole thing over a million times to get my wife that I have today. I married my best friend. I have four beautiful children. I've got one senior citizen dog and the other dog is in, well, if there's, he's in doggy heaven, we'll just, we'll just say that. And I, and I have no bitterness, I have no resentment over anybody involved in that situation. Nothing but blessings. Man, I'd give everybody in the scenario a hug and tell them I love them. Because that, that's what life's like when, when you've accepted, when you've, when you've gone through the process, when you're surrounded by a bunch of friends that'll let you do all five stages, when you jump into things like the grief, grief recovery every Tuesday at Camp Pendleton, when you go into these classes, 
it's all part of the journey. And so I encourage everybody, grieve well. Grieve well. Like there's, you have permission to grieve however you want. Just make sure you're grieve, grieving in, in, in a community. Don't do it alone. And uh, make sure you grieve in a way that doesn't hurt you or hurt others. All right. I hope to see you there. So this is just another venue for the sailors and marines at Camp Pendleton to, to dig deep into your wounds. You know, like in my Markman for Christ Jerusalem Cross, you're that fifth wound of, of, of sadness or loss is something every human being, so long as they can fog a mirror, needs to deal with. So I hope you do it together with me or with another group. Um, and uh, see you later, Fabcasters. All right, peace.